On February 14, 1990, a command was sent to the spacecraft Voyager 1. The power was dying in the spacecraft as it was venturing into interstellar space, the very first and only spacecraft to do so up until recently. And astronomers at NASA had one final command for the spacecraft, to turn the camera back around and take a picture of Earth. Voyager 1 was about 6.4 billion kilometers, or 4 billion miles away, and approximately 32 degrees above the ecliptic plane when it captured this portrait of our world, a portrait to become known as the pale blue dot of Earth. Scientist and author Carl Sagan beautifully wrote a book inspired by this picture. We can explain the wan blueness of this little world because we know it well. Whether an alien scientist newly arrived at the outskirts of our solar system could reliably deduce oceans and clouds and a thickish atmosphere is less certain. From this distant vantage point, the Earth might not seem of any particular interest. But for us, it's different. Look again at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy, suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there, on a moat of dust, suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that in glory and triumph they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other quarter. How frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatred. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. To me, it underscores our responsibility to deal more kindly with one another and to preserve and cherish the pale blue dot, the only home we've ever known. All right, hey everybody. Uh, thanks for listening in today. I am your host. Uh, I am Mark. And this is Ash. What up, Ash? What up? And uh, you guys are listening to the Mark Explains podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, today is a really special, special episode, uh, something that's been on our minds for a while now. Uh, today we're talking about this magnificent blue pearl that we live on and the fragility that exists right within us and all around us and through us. Uh, to episode 10, today we are talking about uh, our planet Earth, uh, the one that we call home. 
We are back. We're excited to be back. This is the first episode of 2019. Happy New Year, Mark. Happy New Year, bud. Yeah. Uh, and we're kicking off this one with a bang, a big bang. In Woo! Fact. Also, uh, if you haven't yet, make sure you head over to either iTunes or Podbean and subscribe to these bi-weekly podcasts, or let's be honest, as close to bi-weekly <laughs> it hasn't uh, been. as we can. We're running a little late. It hasn't been so bi-weekly, but it was, it was the new year and Christmas, and we wanted to get things rolling through, right? And so, well, and it, it took a little while to get this, this episode off the ground just because of how dense and how important this one is, so... Yeah, it's an important one. We want to make sure we get our facts right. And again, as usual, fact check us because, you know, we're human and we might say some shit that isn't true. That just happens. Completely. Uh, And actually probably is going to happen. (laughs) Let's be real. Yeah, (laughs) It will. The the point of that is you should should go to iTunes or Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, also remember to go to Instagram, follow us at mark.explains, uh, and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash markexplainspodcast. We'd love it if you uh, subscribe, follow us. Um, we, we, we love engaging with people, so send us a message, reach out, and, and let us know if you have questions or if you just want to say you know, something mean. We're open to that too. (laughs) We're open to all things. Uh, We actually have some interesting information coming soon about uh, a a podcast that me and actually, that me and Ashlyn are actually going to be launching here soon. And so stay tuned. It's going to be totally different. We're going to kind of go off the fly with that one. So just stay tuned uh, for uh, a second podcast coming out. Um, it's not going to be nearly as produced as this one. This one is heavily produced, uh, but uh, it's going it's going to be good. And uh, I think Ashlyn's kind of taking the helm on that one. Yeah, more details to come. Um, don't want to give everything away, but uh, I'm, we're we're really excited to uh, to dive in and to work on that. And it'll be a cool project. I'm looking forward to it. Also, I wanted to say if you haven't checked out MeUndies.com, <laughs> where their mission is to make the best undies anywhere, and that starts with the feel. There's men's and women's and matching pairs. Get a super soft pair of undies delivered right to your door each month. Also, I wanted to say this is an ad-free podcast. <laughs> I did that for fun. <laughs> they are not paying us a damn thing. I just really enjoy MeUndies. <laughs> So uh, uh, thanks, guys, for uh, listening to episode 10 uh, here on the Mark Explains podcast. I think you start out with this idea of what it's going to be like. And then when you do finally look at the earth for the first time, you're overwhelmed by how much more beautiful it really is when you see it for real. It's just like it's this dynamic, alive place that you see glowing all the time. It was truly incredible to be up there um, doing what I always wanted to do my whole life and then to kind of glance back at our planet and uh, see that view was just tremendous. I can only describe what I've seen. You know, looking down at the Earth and you see that, that line that separates day into night slowly moving across the planet. Thunderstorms on the horizon casting these long shadows as the sun sets. And then watching the earth come alive and you see the lights from the cities and the towns. The events you see from space like flying over thunderstorms, 
looking at them from the top were spectacular. Like a fireworks show going on and you're looking at it from the very top. You know, shooting stars going below us or, or you know, dancing curtains of auroras. It's just um, very hard to describe all the, you know, the colors, the beauty, the, the motion. So there's this book, and it's called uh, The Awakening Earth by Peter Russell. Um, it was written uh, a few decades back. Um, and there's, in the invitation of that book, it's pretty cool. Uh, he actually interviews a an, uh, an astronaut, and uh, the astronaut was Edgar Mitchell. Um, and Edgar Mitchell was on Apollo 14. Um, now, it's actually pretty cool because everyone knows, like, you know, I know, everyone knows Apollo 13 what happened. Um, Apollo 11, they landed on the moon. That was the big one. Apollo 8 was the first one into lunar orbit. But Apollo 14 was the, that was the mission after the mission where everything went wrong. Like this is, this is like, this guy was ballsy. Uh, you, you know, like they were like, okay, everything went wrong on Apollo 13. So who wants to roll for Apollo 14? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, guys, we think we have it figured out. Not really sure who wants to roll. And Ed- Edgar Mission, uh, he was the lunar module pilot um, of that mission, uh, which means he actually went to the moon. He landed on the moon. Um, and, uh, and in the invitation of this book, he, he recaps, uh, he says, like, as he was looking out the window, he saw the sun and the moon and the heavens on rotation. And he had this, he had this back, he had this background in cosmology. Um, and for those uh, who don't know, cosmology is like, uh, the origin of the universe. So like, uh, astronomy would like be the study of the universe now, uh, and the stars and the skies and the heavens. Um, but cosmology is kind of like the, the origins of the universe. So, uh, here we have, uh, astronaut Edgar Mitchell, um, landing on the moon and he had this background in cosmology and he looked down at his hands and then he realized that all of the molecules on his hand and on his body and, uh, all and in his crew and the spacecraft, they were all like a part of the same, like evolutionary continuum, um, like the same system. They all came from like, we are all stardust as, as, uh, Carl Sagan would say, um, and he had this he had this crazy moment where he felt like profoundly interconnected with with everyone and everything and this has been kind of come to be known as like this overview effect like these 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 humans that go into space and i've talked about this before and this is because this is so important in in it's so it's so big in in what i believe and what i feel and the reason that i keep talking about this is is i i'm trying to promote this idea of orbital perspective um this idea that we are so close-minded in everything we see because we are in the system. We are of the system. Like I'm standing here on earth, this two-dimensional plane, the flat earth um, <laughs> that we stand on. I say two dimensions. I just mean like it's it, the, the the flatness of the earth. <laughs> Obviously we live in three dimensions. I'm going to clarify that real quick. Um, but we live on the surface of this earth and we, we don't see the beauty of the earth that we are in, like we don't have this ability to step outside and to look down back at it that these astronauts have. And, and like, there's so many radical things that happen in space, like 
alone. There's so many crazy things like how we go to the bathroom or how like how we sleep. Like like no one thinks about that. Like how our bones are not under the continuous stress of gravity. Um, and so they like naturally reduce in size and strength and become brittle over time. And blood doesn't have like um uh, and the blood doesn't have to pump like up our legs. Like right now it goes up because it's going against gravity. So the heart's not working as hard and the heart becomes weak. All of these things are so wild. And we had to invent all of these wild things to put human to uh, to put humans in space. Um, and so that way they can come back to earth and they wouldn't die. But the funny thing with all of this is that out of all of these crazy weird things that we've created to make humans in space, the one thing that every astronaut talks about is the moment they're in space, the moment they do, like the moment they get there is how much time they spend looking out the window back at Earth. Like that is by far the number one thing that every astronaut takes away from this trip is the amount of time spent looking back from where they came. They're like this incredible blue pearl, this oasis that we live in. It's just, like, that's the thing that's taken away. So I immediately think of two things um, after hearing that. So... Uh, the first thing I think is like, I think about the highest I've ever been. Right. So like, like if I were to get into a, a rocket and I were to go into outer space and leave earth, like what am I, like my, my brain is telling me is I'm going to go really high. I'm going to go up, um, up as high as I've ever been. So like when I'm in an airplane as high as I've ever been, um, the only thing to look like you look down. Yeah. Right. You look, you do, you look, you look back. You look toward where you came from. Like when I go into a roller coaster and I get to the very top, I'm looking down, right? I may be looking across the amusement park. I may be looking, you know, in, in whatever direction, but. And when you climb a mountain, yeah, it's the same thing when you climb a mountain, you get to the top and what do you do? You just sit and look down. Yeah. So like in what, like what, whether it's going into outer space um, or or to the top of a roller coaster or a mountain or an airplane. Like just, I think there's something, um, inertly built into us. Is that the right word? Inertly? I don't know. There's something built into us that tells us, that tells us to look down and, and look back. And, um, and I think that's definitely what I would do Mm. in that, in that position. The other thing I'm thinking about is I guess the, like the sheer, like it's in, inc- incredibly insightful that that is what they talk about, you know, like the process of going into outer space. And I'm sure like, like think about like when they live stream astronauts into schools or whatever, like, or like they go and visit schools, they talk about yeah. all the cool stuff. They talk about how they go to the bathroom and how they sleep and how yeah, they, they do. Eat. But like, like the, but the thing that they share with the world is the perspective shift when they go into that place, yeah. into that, that frontier. And, and, and that's, that's really cool to think about that. That's, that's what really matters to them. The takeaway from the experience isn't, I got to pee in a tube, you know, or, uh, you know, I slept in a zip up bag or, or whatever it is, or eat, you know, jello from a, special space jello device <laughs> like i i looked back at the earth and yeah. i saw the pale blue dot right you know what i mean i saw this incredible beautiful stunning place yeah and and that was what was on their mind yeah you know jim lovell who is my arguably my favorite 
um, astronaut. He was on Apollo 13. Um, and I've talked about this before, and I will talk about it again. Uh, he was on Apollo 8, the very first mission that went to um, uh, the moon and orbited four times. And uh, he was actually interviewed about this mission. He was interviewed about it. And he reflected on this trip and, and like what it did inside of him. Uh, and he said that he grew up with this this religious idea of paradise, um, of heaven, kind of like you and me. Well, I mean, you didn't grow up with it, but you had it for a while. I grew up with this religious idea of paradise, uh, this religious idea of heaven. And uh, he had spent his, his entire life dedicated to space flight. Um, even from a young kid, he knew he wanted to be an astronaut. Um, he always wanted to leave Earth and go to the moon. He always wanted. But he said something so deep and so moving. He said that when the Apollo spacecraft orbited the moon for the final time and they took this picture the one that became uh known as earth rise the one of the most one of the most famous pictures in all of space flight he said starting on their journey back to earth he said there it was this magnificent blue pearl beaming with life he said this was the paradise that i had always been looking for like i left earth to go to the moon but what i found like i left this planet to go to the moon but what i found was the earth hmm. this thing that that we're talking about this perspective how it kind of shifts is actually called the flip and it's a real thing uh this this flip is a real thing because uh, it's it's become so prominent in all of astronauts space experience that this this idea that their perspectives completely flip um, that they gave it a name. They literally called it the flip when they when they realized that all that we're in this together. That it, not only physically but molecularly, like all of the molecules on my hand have been regenerated and repurposed in this closed system that we have. The water that I drink it has been water that has been drank for thousands, millions of years by animals. It's all we are all in this literally together. We are all one unit one system that has been recycled to produce who we are in these experiences that we call life now we've been evolving from the beginning of civilization to a larger and larger perspective of life on the earth but the next natural evolution is understanding the life in space it is the fact that the Earth, as Buckminster Fuller used to famously say, is a spaceship, spaceship Earth. We are in space already. It's just that we haven't brought that into our perspective as we live here on Earth. The overview effect is simply the sudden recognition that we live on a planet and all the implications that it brings to life on Earth. So it's incredible to think about like the stuff that we stress out about, like the real world, like the challenges and the problems and the, you know, the stress fat, like, are we going to build a wall? Is the government going to re like, like, you know, whatever it is, whether it's political or religious or, or social, right? The problems you, we deal with, with, with our friend groups and, and our families and, and man, when you think about it, and, and when you put yourself in the position of these astronauts, like, leave the Earth for a day, and does any of that matter? Like, is any of it important? The very thing, the very first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, 
how much stuff I, I see on the wall that's that is virtually shut down our government. Our government is now shut down for nearly four weeks, longest in history, over something I think is silly, it's trivial. Why we want to keep everyone out goes against all of Christianity in it within itself. And they're selling it. <laughs> they're they're selling it as, um, and I I don't mean they as Republicans. I mean they as the government um, are selling it as safety. But you have to define safety. Like, look around us. If we if if we build a wall and keep everything in, the danger exists all around us every single day. Like th- this isn't something that is going to make us safe. This isn't something that is going, th- this is something that will isolate us. Um, and as, as Christianity, as, as a Christian, I am commissioned to be completely inclusive as Christ was. And that's, that's the thing that is embedded within my soul and embedded within my life is that every human on this planet deserves love and deserves acceptance. And here we are building a wall because we are afraid <clears throat> of the fraction of a fraction of a fraction that one that of these people might possibly hurt us, that, we're, that we might yeah. be safer. The, the, point, the point that I think Mark's making, the point that I'm trying to make, is that you know, whatever the thing you are standing up for and and holding on to and making just making that your soapbox issue and your soap and your in your 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 fight, take a step off the earth for a minute and think about, you know, does this thing matter? In some cases it does, right? Because we're talking about in the in the case of the wall or or you know, the just social injustice that that our government shut down cause. right like that that matters i'm not saying it doesn't matter i'm saying are you are you willing to look at what you think and what you believe and what you hold up as being important are you willing to look at it from a different perspective and are you willing to to acknowledge the possibility that maybe your self-importance, my self-importance, uh, is delusional in the scope of all the bigness. Yeah. And, and that, that is the thing that is challenging to me. And I'm not trying to say this in like a preachy way, like, Hey, what everyone else believes that isn't like me, fuck you. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not where I'm coming from because I'm challenged by this and, yeah. and, and I'm going, you know, and I want to be able to think about that again, I go back to what Sagan said. Like, I think it's it's important for us all to recognize that our self-importance is a delusion it is in the sense that in the sense that um, I do not and cannot know it all and and to stand up fervently um, without being willing to kind of be humble and remember that I don't uh, have all the answers I think is really critical so I'm a passionate person Mark you're a passionate person we'll talk about the wall and the government shutdown and how many lives that's impacted that doesn't mean that I'm gonna have a conversation uh, with someone where I where I just slap them in the face for not believing like I believe like at the end of the day I want to hear it I want you know give me a good reason um, you know why this thing should go up that's backed up by actual fact and not 
you know, manure about all the rape or, you know, like crime. And, you know, that's the same, the same horseshit that came out of, you know, old administrations that the Nixon administration and the Reagan administration and the, the war on drugs and, you know, uh, um, law and order and you, you know, using these words that were basically meant to, um, to ostracize the black community or the Latino community. And, you know, that, that's really what that was. And that's what this is. If you heard this address, uh, from Trump the other night, I don't know if you watched this, Mark, I did. we're watching, we're watching this, this presidential address. My wife left the room. Um, couldn't just couldn't do it. She went upstairs. She, she went to bed. She could not sit through. Mm. Um, I mean the, the picture that he painted and, and it's just not based in fact, you know, it's just not like we know, we factually know that most illegal aliens in the U S, um, are here on overstayed visas period. They're not crossing the Southern border uh, like an army coming to invade us. and Well, they're not dangerous. Like these people are seeking asylum for the most part or just the American dream. I mean, but regardless of all of that, regardless. Um, so my, my point, sorry, my point is I'm, I've got to be willing to say like, yeah, this is what I believe about this. Um, but man, at the end of the day, perspective changes everything. And, and I'll tell you, Mark, this is not what I thought six years ago or eight years ago. Um, and, and it may not be what I think a year from now, you know, I, I just, I want to be what, what, what this conversation is to me, um, is about, it's about perspective more than anything else. And it's about being willing to step out of my earth and look back at it. Um, and think about what's really important. What am I really focused on? What do I really think? What do I really believe? And could I be wrong? You know, I think about those astronauts right now. There's six astronauts in space floating around, uh, orbiting the Earth right now. And I think about them looking back at us right now, bickering, and complaining and fighting and being completely divided over a wall and how trivial that may seem like i can literally see them up there laughing at us going this is (laughs) this is ridiculous like the whole world is laughing at us because we're creating these borders in our mind and then we're going to put up a wall because they are not us you know but i i think of I, i think of like up till now like i don't feel like as humanity i don't feel like we've needed to see the overview effect. Like we haven't needed to see the idea that we're all in this together in order to survive as humanity, like up until now. But like, in fact, like in some senses, I feel like we needed the ego of like that separation to survive up to this point. Like you think of the hunter gatherers and you think of like um, uh, the old times, let's say the Bible times or coming up through the Renaissance, we needed that ego of separation. but if we don't like learn to work together as a species right now, like if we don't learn to come together, we will not make it. Like as humanity, like we will not make it. Like it's it's become vital for our species that we must transcend these like egocentric 
these nation-centric, tribal-centric perspectives and recognize that there are no borders. There are no others. Like, it is us. Just as these astronauts look back to our Earth, it's not like they say, oh, look at that one country and the borders of that country. No, they just say, look at Earth. Look at humanity. Like, we need to do something now. Like, we, we need to begin our, to change our mindsets now. Like, we need to start talking about this now because we will not have a place to call home in the future if we don't. Come on, man. It's America. We're the best. We're the, we're the you know... What are we the best at? Um... Actually, had a, we have I, the best. I, I, we have the best food. Am I really gonna? Am we gonna play the devil's advocate? Am I gonna argue for nationalism? Yeah, I want you to for a minute. <laughs> okay. um, I okay. actually, I, I want you to argue what the because I actually had a guest on here, and I'm not gonna say who it is. I had a guest on the Mark Explains podcast that said we live in the richest nation in the world. Do we? <laughs> yeah, man. It's this is America. This so is, what are uh, we the best at in America? We're the freest. Are we the richest nation? Um, yes. Per capita. No. I mean, no. I don't really think... So, I'm... I literally don't believe what I'm saying right now. I'm making... I'm like, right? Like, I'm making a point that... No, I mean, this like... nationalist Do you believe... You, I mean, like, that, you've been told and you've been taught, though, that we are the richest nation we're the be- yeah, in we're the, the world. We're the... Sure. We're the richest. We're the best. We're the smartest. We're the most innovative we are we are just better that is the that is what people believe that's what i grew up kind of believing right, right? And, and so and that's what we're told so uh, the richest nation in the world is qatar um <laughs> if anyone wants to know it's in the middle east and then singapore would be second um the united arab emirates would be fifth any guess on where the us would stand 23rd uh well not that bad no we are 11th uh we are 11th in the list um this is per capita this is per capita uh and and, but that's important to know um uh let's see i said freest for a reason because i i happen to know that something like 25 percent of the world's incarcerated population is in the united states the world's incarcerated population and and the the U.S. has something like five percent of the total world population. Yeah, it's it's and, well, so you get and, you got seven point four billion, and that's it's hard to wrap your mind around the number billion. Um, so let's just do a little thought experiment here. If if you were to count, uh, if you were to take the seconds, uh, in like uh, one second, two second, three second, um, if you were to put a million seconds next to each other, if you were to count backwards a million seconds, uh, it'd be about 12 days. To give you an idea, um, so a million seconds is 12 days. A billion seconds is about 32 years, uh, to give you an idea. So it, like these these numbers are huge. Um, so when you say there's yeah. 7.4 billion people in the world and we mm-hmm. have 333, roughly 334 million people in the world, we're, we're looking at orders of magnitude that we can't even understand in the human brain. Um, so we have, let's see, 
So we're looking at roughly like between two and 3% of the entire earth population lives here in the U S now, one thing that we do have that one thing that we are number one is uh, gross domestic product GDP. Um, we are the number one exporter of gross domestic product. And it's not even close, um, with $21 trillion, uh, expected this year. Um, Number two is China with 214 billion. So we're looking at an, an, an order of magnitude greater. The U.S. is an order of magnitude greater than China. These numbers, we can't even understand them in our in our brains how big these numbers are. Um, so there, so the U.S. creates and consumes more shit than any other mm. country in the world by orders of magnitude that we can't even understand. Yet we are only two to three percent of the world's population. What else would you guess? So, oh, so, go ahead. Um, we we have the best music in movies, <laughs> Hollywood, man. You think we have the best? But it, I, that would probably be um, an opinion, maybe. So let's let's go at a couple of the big things that the that the U.S. Um, is number one. In. Uh, number one is uh, reserve currency. Um, we have the largest number of reserves held in U.S. dollars uh, than anywhere else in the country, if you understand what that is. Um, we have more military spending uh, in our country than the... So we are number one, and we have more than number two through 25 combined on the list. Um, mm. uh, at $824.6 billion last year alone, just on military spending. Um, we are the largest arms exporter, which is, <laughs> I find really ironic because we are the largest arms exporter, but then we are creating the military, the military industrial complex to guard against the arms that we just exported. That's kind of very strange. I, I feel. So back on point, you, you've, you've convinced me, uh, that we are not number one. And that we, yeah, this is a, you know, and I do agree with this. This is a, this is a global culture now, right? What the internet has done, what society has done, what world, world history has done is turned all of us into one, right? I can play video games with someone, uh, in, you know, on the other side of the globe when I, and someone can listen to this conversation. We can have, you know, all of our information is shared. And I think that's that's a beautiful thing in and of itself. But what it's done is it's made, and and I believe for the good, it's made the world a lot smaller in that sense that we're all very connected. And, and I don't see, and I've never, or at least in the last few years of, of development, I've never understood a reason for this kind of nationalistic point of view that somehow my country is better than your country or my uh, people are better than your people. Um, I just don't. I don't understand who benefits from that, and and why that makes the world better in any way. When we look down at the Earth from space, you know, we see this amazing, indescribably beautiful planet. It looks like a living, breathing organism, but it also, at the same time, looks extremely fragile. Because you go outside on a clear day and it's the big blue sky and it's like it goes on forever, right? And, and how could we possibly 
you know, put enough stuff into it to fill it up with things that really change it. And yet, you see it from space, and it's this thin line which is just barely hugging the surface of the planet. Anybody else who's ever gone to space says the same thing because it really is striking and it's really sobering to see this paper-thin layer and to realize that that little paper-thin layer is all that protects every living thing on Earth from, from death, basically, um, from the harshness of space. Every four days, there are a net four million humans added to this earth. And in order to feed this amount of humans, we will need to produce more food in the next 50 years than all the food that we've produced in existence of humans combined up to this point. Like we would need an additional 600 million acres of agriculture per year for the next 50 years to do this if we continue to add these people to earth, which we are doing. This is a huge problem because we are actually losing twice that amount of acreage every year due to soil degradation. Because of this, like there are some geologists out there that are predicting that we only have like 60 years of farming left on this earth. 60. 60 years of farming left on this earth at current world soil degradation rates. Right now, there are 1.8 billion people today, this morning, that did not have access to clean water or sanitation or in over a billion humans, over a billion walk over a mile just to get access to unclean water for daily living. Not clean water, but unclean. At the current rate of humanity's carbon footprint on the biosphere, there will be more than 4 billion people every single day without access to clean water in a decade, 10 years. 4 billion people without access to clean water in a decade. We are as few as two generations away from the beginning of the end of the current world as we know it. Two generations. That's it. Clean water is going to run out at the weight that we're sucking it out of the ground. Soil degradation will lead to the inability to produce food. Wars are going to break out. Not over precious metal or oil. It's going to be over water and salt and food. Like, we are we are killing ourselves like this is a real issue that no one's talking about and the reason why is because we are completely distracted by this by this damn wall and by this government shutdown like we are dying as humanity like these are the things that we need to be talking about we need to be talking about this this earth that we are killing and the only thing that we can seem to be coming to a conclusion is that there needs to be a wall to keep other people out. Yeah, it's crazy. We need to change. Yeah, we're, t- we're talking about how our world is changing drastically and the episode is titled Home. So it's really no secret we're, we're having a conversation about how we have impacted this planet in a major way and how it's changing drastically and how urgent it is that our perspective change. We need and, to have and, a humanity perspective flip. Right. That, that needs to happen. Um, I just think, so my honest evaluation of what you just said, unless you really have to turn me around here, um, it's hopeless. 
So our only hope is uh, Space Force. And, <laughs> and, and let it this, can, let this motherfucker burn because the faster <laughs> this thing goes down, the faster we have to find out how to live in outer space, which is all I want, man. <laughs> that is it. You know that I want. There is I a want movie. Star Trek to be real, and <laughs> and I read the other day. I read the other day and a, a Ted Ed thing about how teleportation could be legit. In yeah, like that's the next twenty five to thirty. Yeah, years. It'll, it'll be before that. That's a real thing. Right, uh, right, but right. all I'm saying, man, is that we are getting closer and closer to my dream becoming a reality, <laughs> and I could sit in a fucking captain's chair. And and that's it, man. Oh well, let's let's first talk about this movie that this film, this Netflix film that just came out. It's called IO, um, and you need to go watch it. It's really cool. It is um, a movie about one of Jupiter's um, moons, and it's the moon of IO. And if you understand anything about, like Jupiter has some seventy six moons or something like that. Um, this is one of the bigger ones, and it's of all the moons that we ever see and talk about. Like these moons are, um, like all of them are desolate. They're just like ours. But this one is so beautiful. It's the most volcanically active uh, entity in our solar system. How do you spell it? I O. I O. Okay. <laughs> I O. Yeah, literally I O. And um, this uh, this this. Uh, this moon at any given time has, you know, a couple of dozen volcanoes currently going off at any given time. Lots of sulfur in the atmosphere, and it, it kind of stains uh, the the moon. Kind of it's yellow and yellowish red. There's magnesium, sulfur, mag- magnesium in there. Oh, it's so cool. Oh, it's amazing. And sulfur dioxide. It's really, really, really interesting. Um, and so this this entire uh, movie takes place in the re- in the near future where they have this Exodus mission where all of humanity they launch like. A, a thousand spaceships that go into space and we colonize uh we generate the reason we colonize off of io is we actually like orbiting io is because we're harnessing the power of the volcanoes in io and that makes sustainable life it's actually pretty cool pretty cool concept the movie never actually goes to io it's the entire movie is based on earth it's it's kind of they actually did a really great job scientifically the main character is a scientist. Um, I think she's a botanist, actually. Really, really cool movie. You got to see it. Um, but I, so, but, but I'm, I'm I, excited to check it out. I w- but so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. I think the, the the idea of this entire episode, the the idea of this conversation we're having though is is that hope is not lost. And it feels that way because, like, I give you numbers like every four day, four million humans net are added to this earth. And that we need to have more acres of farming, but yet we're losing acres of farming, and and our soil and our current carbon footprint on this earth is increasing every day, and uh, how wars over water and food will be a real thing. Like it seems hopeless, but if you look at the data, we're not past the point of no return. Like we can change this. We can save this, but we need to get our minds and our and our lives off the screens that tell us what to think and tell us how to be mad and tell us that we're in a war against the Democrats and in a war against the Republicans. No, we're in we're in a war against ourselves because of what we're doing to this planet that we're living on. So the way I think about 
um, the way I think about this problem. And to qualify this, I am not a scientist like Mark, right? I'm just <laughs> a guy. I'm just a dude. And so, you know, in the pre-show talk that Mark and I have had, the thing that I kept thinking about, like, so cl- climate change, if I'm scrolling through a list of podcast episodes and 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 I see one is about climate change, I don't, I just don't naturally go, oh, that's really urgent and important. I should tune in. And I think the, that most people, my theory is that most people are like that in the sense that like we see this and I like, I see this as a tomorrow problem, right? Um, like I have, like when I go to work every day, I think of like, okay, I have problems that I have to solve today. Or when I go home at night, I think, okay. I have problems that are today problems, like right now problems that I have to solve. And I prioritize my thinking in a way that says, okay, something that has to happen or get done or, or, you know, whatever later is a later problem. And I can think about it now and I can maybe strategize for it now and I can do things now, but like, ultimately it's not happening now. So it's not a now problem. Yeah. And it won't, it won't be a now problem. If rent is due tomorrow, I have to right now yeah. make sure that there's enough money in the account to pay for it, right? Yeah. So, so, but if rent is due in two weeks, I'm not thinking about it, right? Right. It's just not on my mind that oh, I have to pay rent in two weeks. I have to make sure I deposit my check or whatever. It's just it's a it's a next week problem, right? But a great a great example. What you've set up is a perfect example because no, you're not thinking about it now, but you're working. You're creating money because you know the problem is going to come to fruition right so the perspective shift for me anyway that that having this conversation is 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 making happen is that i you know that there is real urgency to this problem that you're describing and and you're backing that up with science you're backing that up with facts um and and i think that it has to become a right now problem instead of a next week problem for us for us as a society it does and and so so my question for you is you know how so so i guess i want to get into some solutions because there's you know writing your congressman right that's the that's the go-to you know so <laughs> yeah. like what getting active and talking about it but like what can ashland do uh as a dude without a, a degree in science, uh, you know, without a, a huge following on social media, you know, how can I make an impact on this problem? How can I make this a today problem and pay the rent? It's a great question, you know, because like, I don't necessarily want, even want to talk about climate change and, and, and all that. I want to talk about the fact that our earth is fragile and this planet that we live in. I mean, if you want to kind of get an idea of the space that we live in, is it's so fragile like if you were to take a globe and hold it in your hands like the globes that you find in people's living room the place that we live in the atmosphere that we live in is about the thickness of the gloss on the globe that's all of earth that is all of humanity that is all of life that is everything we know is in the gloss on that globe like we are fragile and now we are at a point where there's more humans on this earth than there ever have been. And that's not like that number is going up. And and you said in two generations, that's not 60 years. That's more like 40. 
we are 40 years away from realistically, realistically looking at the beginning of the end of the current world that we know. And so what can you do? Like, what can I do? We need to start having conversations. We need to start talking about the ideas that our soil is degrading faster than we can clean it, that our water is running out, that this earth that we are living in, that we are all living in, because the Mexicans are also living on this earth right next to the Texans. And, and the and the liberal snowflakes, they live on the earth too? They, the liberal snowflakes live right next to the alt-right people. We are all Wait, made, But not the socialists. Not the socialists though. Okay. Fuck they don't, them. they don't. Fuck those guys. <laughs> like we, we are all neighbors. Like we all go to the grocery store. We all take a shower. We, well, not all of us actually. We all eat. We all sleep. We all need food. And this earth is dying. It is dying and it is becoming urgent. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because we need to have a perspective shift. We need to have this orbital shift. We need to pull ourselves away from this earth, away from these trivial ideas about the wall, about bathrooms and genders. We need to pull ourselves away from what we think is important because it's not. And we need to have a flip. We need to have a perspective flip. Otherwise, we are not going to make it. We're not going to make it as humanity. This view of the earth from space, the whole earth uh, perspective, I think is the true symbol of this age. And I believe that what's going to happen is there's going to be a greater and greater interest in, in communicating this idea because after all, it's key to our survival. We have to start acting as one species with one destiny. We are not going to survive if we don't do that. We're seeing very clearly that if the Earth becomes sick, then we become sick. If the Earth dies, then we're going to die. People sense that something's wrong, but they're still struggling to go back and find out what the real roots of the problem are. And I think what we need to come to is the realization that it's not just fixing an economic or a political system, but it's a basic worldview. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's it. We, we, we have to, we have to change our thinking. And the, and the way I think about that is we, the level of urgency uh, that we deal with this problem needs to, needs to become greater. If, if we, if we want to get really, really practical, if you, if there's something that you want to do as a human, like physically, um, change all your light bulbs to LEDs. Uh, if you understand, uh, black body radiation and, uh, an incandescent light bulb peaks in the infrared spectrum. So like you're, whoa man, whoa man, people of color, people of color radiation, <laughs> come on. <laughs> the, we understand. This is a PC podcast. <laughs> we, we understand that we're losing a lot of uh, electric ele electrical power to heat. So if you change it all to LED, you're literally saving power. And you changing all of your light bulbs in amidst 330 million people likely won't make a difference. But if 10 million people did, if 30 million people did, if half the population did, we would make a drastic change just by switching to LEDs. If you put a flow restrictor valve on your sink or on your shower head, or if you put a giant, um, if you put one of those giant pavement stones, uh, 
the, those those blocks inside of your toilet that it doesn't fill up with as much water. That's also something you can do. If you collect, if you know how to collect and catch rainwater in a rain catchment system in a cistern and use that to water your garden or even use it to take a shower in, like these are things you can do. Like these are real life things you can do that every person can do. If you know how to start a, if you know how to start a composting just by separating all of your food and putting it in with newspaper and some earthworms, you'll end up with some compost. It's, it's amazing. Like human food that you would normally throw away can turn into compost like, and, and that you can use to, to plant and soil a garden. I mean, like these are things that, that no one wants to do because it's inconvenient. It's just inconvenient. So, so those are, those are some solutions. Like if I, so I want to use less, I want to be more, be more, I think just aware of what I'm using and how I'm using it. And, and I think that's a good way to put it. Um, I think the, the daunting thing here is like, we've, there've been campaigns about this. I feel like my whole life about, about, you know, recycling and, you know, we can debate that about whether or not that recycling has a, a actual net positive impact. I don't know, but there, there have been campaigns about, you know, use less, be aware, um, you know, be, be conservational, uh, and, and be earth minded, but here we are. Right. And, and we're in this place and, um, and it's scary. Right. And then this isn't a fear mongering episode. I don't think that's the purpose of what we're trying to do, but we are in a position where, I don't know, man, it, it scares the shit out of me. Like, we have an, uh, we live in a world where it's really hard, I think, to change people's minds about things. And there are people, you know, that we interact with every day who deny science and who deny that this is an actual problem. Um, so what do you say to that? You know, like what, from your perspective as, as a scientist, what is the, you know, what do we do, man? How do we get out of this? It's other one than space other than space. <laughs> Outside of leaving this planet, we, it's one step at a time. We need to have like, we need to make a trip like within ourselves to the moon. And we need to look back to earth and we need, we need to have a new earth rise. Like we need to have this moment of largeness. We need to have this, this idea that we are, we are all in this together because that's where change begins. It begins deep inside you when there's, when there's a perspective flip, it begins. That's, that's when everything changes. Because if I can have a perspective flip and look at this earth and how fragile it is, and I can see that the people to our south and to our north are, that they're just like me. They are me. We are one. And the, the molecules on my hand likely were the molecules in, in another living organism at some point in time in the history of this earth. That's, that's amazing. Like we are literally the same we are carbon and hydrogen and oxygen and nitrogen. We are, we are this, these elements that have come together with consciousness. We are all in this together. And when we can pull ourselves out and get this orbital perspective, we can see that we are, we are dying as, a, as humanity. And we are dying as a country and we are dying as a planet. And the only thing that is going to change us, the only thing is first starting with ourselves, pull out, 
<laughs> I shouldn't say it. First, starting within ourselves is to pull ourselves outside of the perspective we have and see that we are all in this together. And from there, we can move forward as humanity. We can move forward into the things that make sense, into the things that matter. We can, we can start talking about policy change when it comes to environmental issues that matter according to data and according to science, not according to political agendas and not according to businessmen. This is, these are the things that are going to change this earth. So the first thing is pulling ourselves out of uh, our own kind of our own worldview and our own perspective and shifting that. The second thing is to share the Mark Explains podcast. <laughs> And you need to share this <laughs> rapidly because this earth <laughs> depends on it. Right. This is literally going to save the planet. Um, everyone hearing our voices. So if, if you care about humanity and if you care about this planet, you need to share this podcast. You need to tell everyone about it. You could save the fucking world. You could. By just clicking that share button. You could. But it all just depends on how much you care about humanity, how much you care about each other. <laughs> that reminds me so much of the memes that are like, if if uh, if you want Jesus to bless you, oh, share this. You, have, you have to share this. <laughs> I'm gonna. Th- th- that's gonna be the sharing meme on this thing. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> we need to enter as a species. We need to enter an orbital perspective. That's what we need to do. And that's it. That's it. Thank you.